0: life and is a podcast brought to you by Scranton Fringe made possible by the Luzerne County Medical Society and in partnership with Park Multimedia hello listeners my name is Tanya Verkaitis. And welcome to another episode of Life And. This podcast has one goal, to document and celebrate the strange phenomena we call the human experience by sharing true stories. This season of our podcast, we turn our focus onto the theme of life and celebration. Though seemingly lighthearted, like most things in life, a celebration can take on many forms and mean many different things to very different people. It is our hope that by hearing these true first-hand experiences, we can work towards creating more unified, honest, and supportive communities. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for the stories of others. This is Life & Celebration. David Hicks was born and raised in New York and lived in Colorado for 20 years before moving to Scranton, Pennsylvania. He is the author of many short stories and the novel White Plains, which was named the number one book by Colorado authors by Westward Magazine and was a finalist for the Colorado Book Award. David has a PhD from NYU and has taught at Pace University in New York, Marywood University in Scranton, and Regis University in Denver. He is the director of creative writing at Wilkes University in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. David is currently on a Fulbright Scholarship in the Czech Republic, teaching at Charles University in Prague. Now let's hear directly from David.
1: I've always had a hard time with celebrations. I grew up in a working class household near the Bronx. My parents were born during the Great Depression, and we lost my sister when I was five. So, birthdays, job promotions, weddings, getting A's on tests, all the kinds of events that typically call for celebration were modest affairs, somewhat muted, you, you could say, and tinged with sadness over the empty chair in the room. One Christmas, the ultimate celebration, my brother and I woke up and came downstairs excited to see all the red and gold wrapped presents under the tree, whereas my poor parents were sitting in the corner sobbing, hit by a sudden wave of grief. So I grew up quiet. I read books in my room or on the back stoop or at the local library. My kind, good-hearted parents instilled in me the values of modesty and humility to think of others more than myself. Any accomplishment was appreciated, certainly, but not celebrated. Celebrations were the equivalent of boasting, making a show of yourself. My brother and I were the first in our family to go to college. And in my freshman year, I remember being assigned Walt Whitman's Song of Myself which begins, I celebrate myself and sing myself, and what I assume you shall assume, for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. Well, that's pretty cocky, I thought. Here is this dude just loafing on the grass celebrating, not the accomplishments of others or a public event, but himself, his mind, his words, his spirit, but also his body, especially his body. The scent of my armpits, he says at one point, is aroma finer than prayer. Get out of here, Walt Whitman, I thought, and I shut the book, without realizing how much I sounded like my father. Years later in graduate school, I returned to Whitman and had a completely different reaction. Wow, I thought, if only. If only I could write with such confidence. If only I could celebrate myself like this, even just a little bit. I recalled as a toddler bringing my stinky feet to my nose or sniffing my armpits at the onset of puberty, and I understood that what Whitman was advocating was a return to our nature. He wasn't simply appreciating the natural beauty and sexuality that our parents, teachers, religious leaders, and, well, everyone teaches us to be ashamed of. He was boasting of it, celebrating it, publicly. I learned that he had self-published his book, another form of celebration, and had anonymously reviewed it in a celebratory manner. An American bard at last, he wrote of himself. And then he had the impudence to sell copies of it on the streets of New York. And just like that, Whitman was cool to me. I mean, this was the mid-19th century. Talk about uptight. But in spite of the criticism he received for being so egocentric and brazen and bestial, He knew he had worked hard to compose his beautiful and daring poetry, and he was determined to celebrate it and himself. I remember walking to church one day with my family, all dressed up. It was probably Easter Sunday, and I was six or seven years old. My handsome boy, my mother had called me when she had combed my hair for me. But when we walked past a store window, and I paused to check myself out in its reflection, she tugged at my arm. Don't be vain, she said. This may have something to do with why I ended up working so many blue-collar jobs, sanitation worker, landscaper, dishwasher, busboy, waiter, and working my way through school to become a teacher, always in service of others, while never once considering doing what I really wanted to do, which was to be a writer. But after a decade or so of teaching, I started to feel that old calling more and more. Instead of talking about writers in class, I wanted to be a writer. Instead of talking about books, I wanted to write my own book. So I started going to readings at the 92nd Street Y. I took some creative writing workshops. And finally, in my early 40s, after writing a short story and revising it at least 50 times, I sent it to my favorite magazine, Glimmer Train. Two weeks later, to my amazement, I received a phone call from one of the editors congratulating me. They loved my story and decided to publish it. Woohoo! Time to celebrate, right? I couldn't. I should call someone, I thought, but that would be bragging. Finally, I called my friend Lori, a life coach who had been encouraging me to shift my identity from a professor who occasionally wrote to a writer who occasionally professed. Oh my God, she said, how cool. You need to celebrate this. When I fell silent, certain that I would not be celebrating this, I had no idea how to celebrate this, she challenged me, David, tell me right now how you're going to celebrate this. I muttered something about having a beer with friends, but she didn't buy it. So I said I needed to think about it. I'd get back to her. But by the time I hung up, she and I both knew it wasn't going to happen. Nearly two years later, when the issue finally came out, I opened it with pride. On the cover was an illustration based on my story. And my story, called Spring Creek Pass, was the first one. And on the page before it, in the Glimmer Train tradition, was a childhood picture I had sent them of three-year-old me, sitting with my brother and sister. I thought, she would be so proud of me. Then I shut the magazine and put it on a shelf. The year after that story was published, I married the love of my life. And as a Christmas gift, she had that Glimmer Train magazine cover and the first page of my story professionally matted and framed side by side. When I opened the gift and saw the cover on the left side depicting a hawk flying over a river gorge with the snow-covered Rockies in the background, and the first page of my story on the right with the title and my signature at the top. I was speechless. It was something I would never have thought of doing. And yet, if I had any degree of confidence, that's exactly how I would have celebrated that accomplishment, by framing it and hanging it on the wall for me to see every day. My wife was celebrating me. Fast forward 10 years. I'd published more autobiographical stories and arranged them sequentially as chapters of a novel, called White Plains. I'd found an agent, and I had a book contract with a small press called Conundrum, which, like most small presses, had no budget for the promotion, also known as the celebration, of my book. I was now 56 years old, late to the game. I hadn't celebrated the agent contract or the book contract. Surely I should celebrate its publication, right? For years, as a professor, writing workshop instructor, and then as director of an MFA program, I had been telling new writers they need to learn how to promote themselves, that publishers aren't paying for book tours anymore. Why, I would ask the students, did you work so hard to write and revise this book if not so that people could read it? And how could anyone read your book if they don't even know it exists? You have to promote it yourself. You have to celebrate yourself. Now here I was with my own book release coming up. And who knew? It could be the only book I ever published, right? So I decided to do it, to go all out, to beat down that inner voice reminding me to be modest, telling me not to brag, to celebrate my book, in other words, to celebrate myself, to sing myself, even, as Whitman put it. I planned a 50 stop book tour with readings all across the country. And in the spirit of Whitman, every atom belonging to me is good belongs to you. At almost every stop, I planned on reading with another writer or two from that city, a communal event. And I would invite everyone I knew in that city friends, former students, high school or college buddies, and even some I didn't know and afterwards we'd all go out for a beer. At the launch at my neighborhood bookstore, the Book Bar, in Denver, I was terrified that nobody would show up. But at least 60 people were there, cramming into that little store, smiling and lining up to buy books. But before I even got there, Before I entered the store and embraced my friends, gave a brief reading, ate two slices of cake with a sugary imprint of my book cover on it, before I drank champagne and signed a lot of books, I had already felt sufficiently celebrated. Because on our way there, my wife and children and I had stopped for dinner, and as I sat with them, the four of us laughing and enjoying each other's company, out of nowhere, I felt it. This is it, right here. We are celebrating, together because we did this together. My wife had edited the book several times brilliantly. My kids had contributed two moving chapters from their childhood points of view. This was our book, and we were about to launch it together. On that epic and oh so much fun book tour, there were several kinds of celebrations, but most were celebrations of friendship. Reading with a former housemate in Austin, visiting a book club of 25 women hosted by my former babysitter who had an enormous birthday cake waiting for me, reading at a pub in Rochester with college friends I hadn't seen in over 30 years, reading at the Steamtown Mall in Scranton that my dear brother-in-law came to, bringing along five or six of his work friends, and a stop at the Binghamton Diner for a big breakfast with some old friends that unexpectedly turned into a celebration when they brought their families and friends with them, took over an entire section of the diner, It made me go out to my car to bring in a box of books for them to buy. A joyous, impromptu celebration, if ever there was one. And then there was the New York event at my hometown library, the very library I used to walk to by myself during the quiet years after my sister died. My childhood sanctuary. When I walked in and saw my family, my old neighbors and high school friends, even my high school English teacher, all smiling and ready to buy a stack of books, I had to fight off tears. They had come to celebrate me, but they didn't realize that so many of them had played a role in making me who I was, and thus it helped to create my story along with me. I told myself to embrace it, not to be modest and say, oh, it's nothing, it's just a little book. I allowed myself to enjoy this celebration of my, our, accomplishment. Now, looking back, I see that I had to learn Not only how to celebrate myself in the most common or superficial way, to toast, to cheer, to publicly revel in an accomplishment, to literally or metaphorically frame it and hang it on the wall, but also in a deeper, more Whitman-esque way, by honoring my craft, my art, my spirit, myself, and to add to this personal celebration a species of generosity and gratitude, which by the way pervades Whitman's seemingly egocentric poem as well, to make it like most good celebrations, communal. And now I understand that I need to share the story of my story with others, to encourage other writers, including those students in my creative writing program at Wilkes University, to find their own ways to celebrate their work as I did, and not to succumb to all those negative messages they receive from the rest of the world to mind their manners, keep to themselves, what makes you think anyone would care, and instead to be proud of their hard work and their talent and to celebrate it with pride with gratitude, with generosity of spirit towards themselves and others. So yeah, it took me a few decades, but now I celebrate myself and sing myself. And what I assume, you shall assume. For every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you.
0: Thank you. So one of the first thoughts that comes to mind is that I love the fact that your story of celebration goes from being a story of no celebration to kind of this grand tour of celebration. It's an avalanche of celebration, (laughs) which is kind of interesting that you decided like, okay, let's turn this on its head and do it this way. Is there a particular reason why I felt like I'm going to just Take the deep plunge into the celebration pool.
1: Yeah, it, a, a psychologist would have a field day with this, right it's pretty it's pretty standard. If you repress something long enough, it comes out in sort of uh, uh, distorted in a distorted way because you've been repressing it so long. So I think I think you're right. I think I went a little overboard in the on the book tour because I hadn't done anything for so long. Um, and it felt like it, there was this kind of buildup where uh, I really needed to to do this and do it right, and to treat myself well and to enjoy it, like to really have fun. And I, I really think age was a factor too. I mean, in my late 50s, like I, I need to have fun, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't know when yeah. death is going to come. I need to I need to really enjoy my writing self, and I need to enjoy my words. I had a friend tell me. Um, when I was practicing my reading, I was a really bad reader. Um, he said, you know, it'd be really great if you, if you appeared to love your own words as you read them. So I, I, I realized I was reading kind of flatly and I wasn't enjoying my own words. So when I actually read on this book tour, enjoying my own words and enjoying the experience, I felt great. It felt wonderful. <laughs>
0: You saying that you weren't enjoying your own words, it's kind of like the same way you were talking about celebration being the equivalent of boasting. So you must have somewhere inside that thought, if thought, excuse me, thought that if you were enjoying your own story, that is another level of boasting, even though you'd put all this work into it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, before that, I had just been embarrassed to read and you know embarrassed that I was reading but you know when my friend said that I thought well yeah I I really do love these words I mean I worked I worked my ass off you know I I really worked on these on this writing and I I I love writing I love revising I I get such a kick out of revising so why shouldn't that come out as much as when I read you know some writer like when I read a dickinson poem or when I read a a Melville story or something like that, why shouldn't that love that I show these other writers come out with my own writing?
0: I also love that you quote Walt Whitman's song of myself um, <laughs> and referencing him as being cocky for being so appreciative of himself. I wonder, you mentioned it going from disgust of Walt Whitman to kind of admiration. What was that trigger for you? Was it the fact that he was celebrating all that we should be ashamed of, as you said, and it, like, joyously celebrating those things.
1: I think probably the, you know, there, there's this whole, I mean, it's familial for me, but it's also cultural. Like we, you know, it goes back to the Puritans. Like we, we have such disdain in our culture for show-offs and yet we are the nation of show-offs. Like we are, we are a very arrogant country uh, or people. But we also hate it when people show off too much and we love taking them down. So I think I kind of absorbed that either through my family or through the culture or whatever. But so when someone, uh, a poet, so blatantly uh, writes about his own sexuality, his own love of himself, it felt like everything I had been taught not to do. And so, of course, when I was young, I was like 18. I thought, oh, I hate, I, don't like poetry. Like this is, this is too much. Um, but then, you know, when in grad school, I'd been away from home. I'd sort of was growing into myself a little bit, and I could sort of appreciate that, you know, the reason why I was rather disgusted or disdainful of Whitman to begin with was my own stuff. Like, you know, it's my own, my own issues. And actually, I should really appreciate this about him. And and I, and I did. I kind of went the other way. And it's kind of, it's not too dissimilar from like seeing young people on TikTok or Instagram uh, really like showing off their selves, their bodies, their, their selves, being proud of themselves. It's kind of antithetical to how I grew up, but how I grew up wasn't good. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, it may swing, it may be swinging the other way, but it's still pretty cool to have, to love yourself, right? Um, because otherwise... You just, you know, you're kind of miserable, and you grow old, and you stay miserable, and then you die. I mean, you might as well learn to love yourself while you're young and uh, enjoy that, enjoy that self-love.
0: So I also like the idea that you're teaching your students to celebrate themselves. You're telling them that they have to promote their own writing when you, in essence, weren't doing it yourself. So there's like this fine line of hypocrisy there, (laughs) but how did you sound teaching this? Right. So I'm trying to imagine you teaching someone to celebrate themselves when you're kind of incapable of doing it yourself. So what would that lecture (laughs) look like?
1: Um, I actually started, uh, teaching creative writing at at a graduate level at about the same time I was publishing stories and starting to promote myself and learning how to do that. So it became, um, you know, I'd hear myself telling them and I would say, I would say to them too, like, I need to do this. Like I need to do this with you. And we kind of helped each other. Um, And I think that the, um, the, the, well, let me just say the advice I got from people telling me to celebrate myself and to post on social media and whatnot, I had a really hard time with. But when I, you know, it's like classic case of the teacher always, you know, teaching what he doesn't do well himself, right? So I was listening to myself tell my students what to do and realize, oh, you need to listen to the people who are telling you to do the same thing and not be such a hypocrite or, or not be Preaching something that you're not actually practicing. I felt very similar. Uh, similarly, back when I would teach like Thoreau, and Thoreau was talking about living simply and living deliberately, and I was like busy-minded and the opposite of that. I felt like here I am teaching this to my students, but I'm not doing it myself. So that always kind of kicks in and forces me to to step it up, you know, to try to adopt some of the words that I'm using with my students.
0: So I also love the fact that you talk about everyone on your tour kind of creating your story with you, especially when you had the book reading in your hometown. But then you also talk about kicking off the tour and it being a joint joint celebration with your family because they had input and had put some effort into your book as well. But I wonder how much of a celebration you would have been able to achieve had not had not from the beginning your family been an integral part in creating the book
1: Yeah it was almost very good point it was almost necessary that I could share this uh, these celebrations It was almost like that's the way I operate as the middle child you know I I, I needed to it needed it to be communal um, and I got joy out of that it, had they not been involved, uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know if I would have done it the same or if I would have done it at all. I I really um, I I I ended up needing their um, encouragement, their help. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wrote it myself. I, I I worked you know for years on this book, so um, I it was it was my own accomplishment. But when you think of how my wife would I mean, really, she's a, a, a wonderful editor. Uh, the book became the book it is in large part because of her help. And then my kids actually wrote their own chapters. If they're in the book. There are two of my favorite chapters in the book. They wrote two chapters from the children's point of view, the fictional children's point of view. So I think maybe I was subconsciously doing that in order so that I could, you know, celebrate it with them.
0: In closing, I'd like to ask how you feel about others celebrating you. You tell the lovely story about your wife giving you the framed copy of the cover of the book and the starting page of the story. How do you feel when other people celebrate you?
1: I It's, it's like this immediate process kicks in where I'm embarrassed. Uh, I want to downplay it, but I just kind of talk myself through it and Embrace it. Sort of what I talked about at that New York reading. I'm just like, okay, don't downplay it. Just enjoy it. And then at some point, I, I just open up and I feel it and I enjoy it. It's really a wonderful feeling. I would not have been able to do that, um, you know, in my 30s uh, or maybe in my 40s, but I, I can now.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your new source of celebration with us and your ability i guess and i hope you find many more opportunities to celebrate thank you dear listener thank you for joining us for another fantastic season of life and it is thanks to people like you that we're able to make this wonderful project a reality Be sure to subscribe and leave a great review wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. Though we will miss these wonderful stories of celebration, we're thrilled to announce our theme for next season is Life and Home. If you'd like to submit to be a storyteller for next season, please visit the podcast website at www.lifeandstorytellers.com for more information. Until next time, dear listeners, remember to breathe and to make time for stories, yours and others.